Welcome to the Plan Simple Podcast. I am your host, Mia Moran. Moms have the power to change the future, but not if we're stressed out and exhausted. Looking at food, lifestyle, spirituality, and work, the Plan Simple Podcast is for busy moms who want to create a healthier and happier future. Listen in for inspirational conversations and valuable strategies to plan for your best life. Hey, you guys, welcome to this episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. I'm totally laughing at myself right now because for whatever reason, recording this intro has not been an easy task today, and I feel like I'm on try number 55. But anyway, this one, we're just going to let roll and it's going to be okay, right? I have an amazing guest on the show today, Barry Tesler. This is a woman who I have actually looked up to for quite some time. Her work has really influenced my relationship with money. I use her tools on a regular basis, and I'm so excited to have her here on the Plan Simple podcast. Now, I'm going to get to her official bio in one second. I have a few things to share, though, before we hop into this chat. So number one is actually about this chat. If you are thinking money, that's a funny topic for me to cover. It's all part of the flow, you know, like we need to have a lot of times I hear that people can't afford to eat well, or they can't afford to invest in themselves, or money's not very good to do X right now, or something's not working out in the money field, or it's just so chaotic. So many things I hear. So I know this is something that will resonate with you guys. And it's something that I think we really have to empower ourselves with as women. And it's super related to wellness. So if you're like, Mia, I don't have that problem. I have no money issues. I'm swimming in cash. You got to keep listening because there must be something that triggers you. And if you're here, it might be something to do with food or exercise or self-care. And literally everything that Barry shared could be used for those things too. It was amazing hearing her talk and all the tools she shared and how related our body image and food and money are. It's quite amazing. And we get into that a little bit. So that's thought number one. Thought number two, coming up really soon, I am hosting a one-week challenge. If you want to be part of it, you go to plansimplemeals.com backslash fall and you sign up and then you'll get the emails. And basically what we're going to be doing together is planning our fall. And we're going to be using the flow method so that as you go into fall, you feel really balanced and not too busy and not too chaotic. And you really feel like you're bringing in all those gems of summer, all the energy of summer into the fall, yet getting all those things done that you want done, done. Does that sound like too good to be true? I don't think it is. And we're going to spend a week planning it. Now, here's the thing I wanted to share. I have, I've been having this experience this week, which I'm going to share even more about really soon. But basically I decided that I needed to up my wellness. And I've been knowing for a while that I needed to start experimenting with what I'm eating a little bit. My energy hasn't been quite right. I'm, you know, I'm in my early 40s, but my body's just been metabolizing things differently. And I've done a lot of work around body love. So I'm all in it. Like I'm loving this body no matter what size she is, but I'm just feeling like there's a couple pounds that just need to go away. 
And a few friends shared this program with me, and I'm going to share more about it, what I've learned from it soon, and I'm hoping to get this gal on the podcast as well. But the thing is, is I've known a lot about of a lot of the tools that this woman is teaching, and I haven't experimented with them yet because it all felt really complicated to me. So we're doing things like intermittent fasting and we're doing different carb cycling. So the amount of carbs that we're eating on each day is a little bit different. And we're measuring food and like really knowing what goes into our bodies in a way that I haven't done. Like that's not, you guys, if you've been around, you know that this isn't something I do. Like the whole number thing, just, I I don't recommend scales. Neither does this woman, thank goodness. But I just, I'm not a measurer. Like I don't even measure my recipes. So it's a challenge for me. It feels overwhelming. And just like all of us, when we're overwhelmed, I feel like we don't move. We get stuck. But there is a week where it's just called prep week. And we just prepare for the six-week program. And during this week, we learn a lot about the why so that when we start doing the work, we have a strong reason why. And if you have heard me on this podcast before, um, you know that I talk about this a lot. If you're new here, welcome. I talk about this a lot. You can go back and find um, episodes that are labeled, but there's a lot of whys in the titles. And I just really believe that you have to have a strong why behind what you do. So we're learning all about why these tools are really important and we're having a chance to really experiment with a lot of them. So I spent a day intermittent fasting and felt what that felt like. I I experienced the emotions of thinking I was starving, even though I wasn't. I mean, you guys, it was literally just three hours. And I'm learning how this app works and how to measure food things, but not really while we're in the program yet. So it just gives this runway of really prepping for something. So that's what I'm looking at this challenge as. It's like a week to prep for your fall, to make plans, to do little experiments with a group and really make some big changes. And right now, in Flow 365, which is my year-long program, I think I'm really seeing the power of what it's like when women do this kind of work together. So in the challenge, I'm going to be dishing out some tools, some different things to experiment with. We're going to, you're going to have some worksheets. You're actually going to make a plan, but you're also going to hopefully have the power of this group. So if you want to share it with your friends, because that's the best way to gather a group is to know people in it and to actually stick to it for the week. Um, feel free to share plansimplemeals.com slash fall and get some friends doing this with you so that you can really have accountability once you've made your plan, which I'm going to be there for, for this week, making the plan. It's a free challenge, but afterwards you'll have some friends to keep you accountable to your plan, right? Cause we're going to make a plan, but then you have to execute it during the fall. All right. I think that's all I've got to say about that week. So again, go to plansimplemeals.com slash fall and you can get enrolled and then you'll get the emails and you'll know what to do. And you're going to look at it as a prep week, a planning week for your fall. It's happened in about two weeks. If you are in a place where school has already started, this is going to be a time when you're probably coming up for breath. Like it was rush, rush, rush. Like you've had a couple weeks of 
putting together school lunches and all that kind of stuff and you're coming up for a breath and you just want it to be a little bit more sane. If you're near me, it's sort of the first, the week before slash the first week of school and you're starting to panic about the fact that people have to be up really early, dinner has to be made at a certain time every night, lunches have to be packed and all that kind of stuff, yet you still want to be able to get to work and all those things and that is feeling overwhelming. And so this is going to be a week that you're going to love to make that feel a little more manageable. I hate the word busy, you guys. We can't use that as a badge, a badge of honor anymore. I'm busy. How are you? Busy, busy. That's not a good thing. So this is going to help rectify that. You're not going to say you're busy. You're going to have better answers than that. All right. So go sign up plansimplemeals.com slash fall. Okay. You guys, if you are loving these episodes, I have a really big favor. If you could go to iTunes and rate and review the podcast, that would be hugely helpful. We have a growth goal for 2018. I should say I have a growth goal for 2018. I want as many people as need this podcast to hear it. And the way that happens, the way people find it is because a podcast has more ratings and reviews than other ones. I know that sounds silly, but it's true. So if you have a second, if you could just press pause and go back into iTunes and Go find the Plan Simple podcast. You have to go to the main page and you'll see a place where you can leave a rating and a review. That would be hugely helpful to us. So I thank you in advance many times. And again, in the in light of doing things the easy way, the easiest thing to do is press pause right now and then come come right back because I have to tell you all about Barry Tesler. So Barry Tesler is a financial therapist, mentor, coach, and mamapreneur. She has guided thousands of people to new, empowered, and refreshingly honest relationships with money through her nurturing body-centered approach. I am one of those people. Her methodology weaves together personal, couple, and creative entrepreneurial money teachings into one complete tapestry. She is the founder of The Art of Money, a global year-long money school which integrates money healing, money practices, and money maps. Her work has been featured on Oprah.com, Inc.com, The Huffington Post, U.S. News & World Report, Routers Money, The Fiscal Times, USA Today, The Cut, Girl Boss, Nerd Wallet, The Simple Dollar, Red Book Magazine, and Experience Life Magazine. Barry is also the author of The Art of Money, a life-changing guide to financial happiness, published by Parallel Parallax Press. And you guys, with no further ado, let's get Barry on the show. Hello, Barry. Welcome to the Plan Simple podcast. Hello, Mia. I'm very happy to be here. Oh my gosh. I can't even tell you how excited I am to interview you on so many levels. Um, it's no secret to my audience that, you know, there was a lot of work done about food in the past and my current thing that I'm working on, cause I feel like we always have to be working on something. is definitely money and mindset. So your work has been important to me. Mm, thank you. And I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. So the beginning, <laughs> the beginning of the book, um, and the beginning of your work has a lot to do with really coming to peace with your past. Is, is that what you would say? Is that true? Sure. I think that's to dive into that a little bit? Because I feel like the money, I feel like sort of understanding your story and where you're coming from with money is very similar to things that you have to do with food and health. 
It, it is. And that's been my experience. And that's how I came to even doing money work. You know, I yep. thought my work was going to be around sexuality, <laughs> body, food, death. Really? And, oh, yeah. Yeah. That, oh. In my 20s, that those were my favorite topics. You know? Oh, my God. I love that. I didn't know that about you. Yeah, I worked in the mental health field. I worked in hospice. I led authentic movement groups. And then my student loan came due. And, you know, at 28, something like that. And that's, that was, you know, when I flipped out and freaked out and realized I have no relationship to money and I've been studying all these other topics and, mm. and growing and developing myself and researching and working on all these other things. And money was just completely left out of my own research and study. And it was completely left out of my graduate school when I was training to become a somatic therapist. Got it. Yeah. And so the way that I set up my entire methodology is certainly based on I'm trained as a psychotherapist. I'm trained as a body centered therapist. And the way that I learned how to bring attention and awareness um, and compassion to all these big areas of life that um, were challenging or that I had shame around, I did the same thing with my relationship to money. And so the whole first four months of the year-long program and the first five or so chapters, maybe six, in the Art of Money book is about money healing. And go it's ahead. about, yeah, understanding. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. You want to oh, I was thinking, can we jump, can we dive into the shame part piece of it a little bit? Sure. Um, and just sort of, because I feel like when we're about to make a big change, all that comes up. Like, why haven't I been able, I'm, you know, I'm a probably everyone listening has kids. So they're over, you know, 30 years old. So I'm 30 to 50. And like, how, why can't I do this? It seems easy, right? Like so many of these things seem easy. Like, why can't I pay this bill? Why can't I just do this on time? Why can't I just eat this food? Like, how does shame play into it? It's, it plays a huge role and it comes at the beginning and it can come up at different points along the way too. Um, it, the first layer layers of shame and when people come to this work there is shame there is money shame and it is you know everything you said i'm not okay in this area of life i don't know how to do this i feel stupid why does everyone else know how to do this and then at some point what i want to insert there is we were not taught how to have a relationship to money in grade school and up in small increments on a practical emotional psychological and spiritual level there are many other parts and pieces to this, but that is huge. And so, you know, my community is 25 to 75 years old. And so people come at all different ages, finally realizing that, um, or maybe not even realizing it, just feeling the money shame, you know, I'm not okay. Uh, or I'm this part of money is keeping me awake at night, or I still don't know how to look at my numbers. I'm terrified of them. Or, I earn a lot, but I don't know how to save, or I'm an under earner. And you know, there's, or I don't know how to have loving, compassionate money conversations with my spouse or my children. We just, with my husband or my wife, we just fight and swear at each other. And you know, and there's so much here. And again, I always want to start with most of us were not taught how to have a relationship to money. We might've been taught parts and pieces, but not the full picture. We're learning it as adults. It needs to be done in baby steps. There's lots of learning curves. We need to be loving, gentle, and compassionate around it. We don't need, I mean, we're already self-critical enough. We don't need to be, you know, we need to put that to the side. And so money shame is first. And 
the antidote to it is one of the tools that I give. I give a lot of tools in the book, as you know. They're pretty simple, but they need to be practiced. And when you practice yeah. anything, it can become profound. A simple little tool that when practice becomes profound. And the antidote to money shame for me is the body check-in. Hmm, um, I like that tool. Can you share yeah, that with us? Sure. And, you know, this comes from my somatic psychotherapy background. I spent 10 years studying to be a therapist and I, you know, had such big emotions and I still can, you know, but I went to graduate school to learn how to feel my emotions, work with them, sit with them, not be overwhelmed by them, know how to talk with them, you know, put them to the side of me. And so the body check-in is a moment. It could be 30 seconds, a minute, 10 seconds where you just stop and pause check in on a few levels, on a physical level, what are you noticing? On a sensation level, what are you noticing? On an emotional level, what are the emotions that are present? We can talk about those. And on a breathing level, how deep, how shallow, where in your body. And this little body check-in I bring to all the daily money interactions that I have. This is what I'm inviting you all to do when you're going to have a money conversation with your spouse, with your children, with your parents, with your clients, when you're going to look online at your balances, when you're going to pay your bills, when you're at the grocery store and on and on, you know? And you know, this is what helps you bring awareness to your money story, habits, patterns, emotions that are present, you know, all the same ones that come up around food and intimacy and, Every other area of life come up around money, you know, from yep. anxiety to anger and rage to sadness, checking out, and so on, right? And and so awareness is first. It's it's starting to just notice. It's not like in the first body check-in we'll be able to calm ourselves down. That's probably you know that happens after maybe many months and learning how to sit in what are the set of emotions, the concoction of feelings that come up for you. And, you know, and awareness leads to understanding, which leads to change. So for me, this is this teeny little tool is the antidote to money shame. And it's a journey and it's a practice. It's not a quick fix. It's something that I want to invite you all to start doing today, tomorrow, you know, and it's nothing you get perfect. But if you can start to remember, like before a mini interaction or conversation, maybe in the heat of the moment or even after is a debriefing. And is the goal to feel, what's, is the goal to feel calm? Is the goal to notice objectively and not be judgy? Like what's the goal of this moment? There are many goals, right? Okay. But at the beginning, it's just to um, bring awareness and attention to yep. what's going on. Because I'm wanting people to understand this area of life, just like they understand their food story, yep. their story. And, you know, it's not like we have done work on all those areas, but many of us have, you know, yep. and it's bringing the same amount of attention. So it's just first gathering data, gathering information, being curious, noticing, um, because a lot of us are like, oh, I know what my emotions are, you know, and they overtake me and they overwhelm me and they are scary and I just can't make any changes. Well, right. I'm going to slow it down a bit and understand what's happening in the moment. What are the emotions? Um, just to give yourself some space to even know, you know, we might think we know what they are, but it's really, you know, some of us get really sad and then we can go deeper. And then, you know, the, the catching it in the moment of what's the emotion, what's the sensation physically, what's going on. Then from there we can go deeper, you know, are there any memories? Are there any images? 
And then we start going into personal history, certainly, of what did we learn from whoever was raising us, our parents, our grandparents, what's their money story, positively, negatively, consciously, unconsciously, you know, what was your religion, spirituality, ethnicity, lineage, these all play a role mm -hmm. that help us shape our money story today. And so, yes, I do like to do some deep diving in there a bit, not to stay there forever, but to really understand what's happening today, what are the patterns that are working for you, which ones are not, and a bit of where they come from. We may not know the exact source, you know, but if someone can say, like, what was your first money memory? And we'll, we'll, we'll have a response to that. So the purpose of the body check-in is first just to start noticing and slow down, right? Yeah. And I feel like your whole process is very methodical in that way. So it's almost like asking us to give ourselves more time than we might, like we might think we need to pay our bills tomorrow, right? But you're really asking us to have a, there's a lot of tools that you build into that first part around just emotions. So, you know, because we're, we're stepping into this at 30, 40, 50, 60, right? Yeah. There's a lot to learn and uh, there are lots of tools here and we do feel urgency because most of us think, oh my God, I should have learned this a decade ago or three decades ago, you know, or I'm so pissed that my parents didn't teach us this. Well, yeah. guess what? You know, when you get into it and realize they didn't learn it. So how could they teach you? I know that's different, but as we start to learn our own money stories and patterns, we can certainly start teaching our children something different and how to have new conversations with them or teach them a bookkeeping tracking tool when they're old enough, you know, and yeah. all of that. There is a lot, so much urgency and so much, I got to put out these fires. I got to do this now. And I am trying to slow everyone down. There's a lot of side teachings and that's one of them. It's not a quick fix. Um, it's not like let's do miracles, even though I love Matt, I do feel like once you work hard and once you, practice all these smaller tools then after the hard work then um you have ease or you have a magic moment or you know things click into place and all of that but i am asking you to slow down and to learn skill sets um things that we weren't taught i mean just the language of money most of us were not taught let alone how to use a bookkeeping system or even my financial folks that know all of that they didn't learn the psychology of money they right. didn't learn how to work with their emotions and one little last little piece you know short stories how this body check-in works in practice is that i've been practicing this you know i'm going to be 50 since i was 23 years old mm. and so sometimes it's even hard for me to explain it that's why i always have a somatic therapist or somatic trainer as a teaching assistant in the program because they do somatic therapy day in and day out and they can break it down. I'm like, yep. just body check it, you know? Um, but at this point of practicing it for so long, um, a little live version is that it might be six years ago now, me and my husband were relaxing on the weekend, went to a coffee shop with our son and there was a, a, a leaf car dealership. My husband had been researching electric lease for a few years. Mm -hmm. And next thing we know, we're in the car dealership and, you know, we're talking pricing and I took a test drive and all of a sudden I notice I'm starting to hyperventilate. Yes. And it's not like I expect emotions to go away. I'm human. I'm sensitive, you know, but I know how to work with them after all these years. And 
And so I knew pretty quickly I was hyperventilating. I was feeling scared about something. Something was making me nervous. I don't, at that time, I didn't like to make quick money decisions. You know, five years later, I bought a house. We bought a house within 36 hours and I was, I loved it. But this was a stepping stone. And in, oops, I don't know what that was, but in the car dealership, I said, honey, I'm going to go to the bathroom and I'm going to go do a body check-in. And I, <laughs> he knows all this language. And, you know, because bathrooms are a great place to do a body check-in. I went yeah. to the bathroom. I started checking in on all the different levels. And, and, and I, you know, I know how to, like, take my breathing down and calm yeah. myself down. And then pretty quickly then start asking questions of like, practically now, what do I need? You know, I've been able to calm myself down here and take my breathing down. And then I just realized that I needed to have a money day with my husband in the car dealership, have like a 30 minute or 20 minute money date where I could ask all my questions. Like, is this purchase in alignment with our values? Do we have the cash flow for it? Will it affect long-term goals? But the body check-in in the bathroom was key. And again, it wasn't like my emotions are going to go away. I'm not going to have any emotions. They certainly get smaller and I'm much, much, much quicker to catch them and notice what's going on and then be able to have a dialogue with the emotions. But the body check-in and the practicing of it for many years is key. I love that. Well, and I love that you use the words practice and process and I don't even know if you just used it, but I know you use it in your book, the word ritual, which I love that word. And just because I feel like we forget that so many of the really important things in life, it's not like there's a destination. <laughs> it's like they keep coming up and it's like muscles, right? Different muscles that we have to constantly be working and evolving. And, you know, it's. And yes, we improve upon them. We get better. The time frame that we're freaking out is shorter. Yeah. You know? Yep. <laughs> All of that. But it's not like one day um, with food and health and body, we're just going to get to the health place that we like or the weight that we like and we hit, you know, set, you know, and then we're yeah. done, you know, yeah. and it's a lifelong journey. Yeah. Every year, every month, we're fine tuning, we're update, updating all of that. Yes. Yeah. I love that. I love, and I love that we like, I just love the reminder of that. Cause I think it's such an important, important lesson. So I feel like I love the body check-in tool and, and I actually have come to use it. It's important, really important. So for someone listening, um, cause certainly at the beginning of this practice, you're just sort of becoming aware, but you're not necessarily calming down, right? So, so you're becoming aware, but over time you, you learn to calm down. So for, if someone's having just a panicky moment about money, what, what's your next, like, what do you recommend with that? Like, how do you make that not panicky? So this is why I recommend many, many people go to a somatic therapist mm -hmm. while doing this art of money work. Um, okay. Always saying like find a somatic therapist you know nearby. Um, I'm gonna read something though that happened behind the scenes in my community um, just the other day. Obviously, no names, right? Yep. But um, someone asked like, okay, so I'm having a freeze moment because in my keynote talk that I gave about a month ago or so, I talk about how you know in any big challenging moment, the bigger moments like. Um, that sometimes we go into fight, flight, freeze, 
or mm-hmm. all sorts of different emotions, right? And someone said, I've been going into freeze and, and what do I do, you know? Um, and so I'm going to read you two things because this is okay. just coming to me right now. I'm going to read my response and then I'm going to read the somatic trainer, um, her response. Okay. So I said, you might need to think about this differently because when you step into the practical, your brain body simply goes into freeze mode. And so you will need to bring the money healing tools and the body check-in tools with you as you work on and through the money practice material. She loved the money healing work, right? And all that deep work. But as soon as she got to looking at her numbers, she would freeze. Mm -hmm. We don't leave the emotions behind. They will continue to come up when we are faced with all parts of the practical. We need to learn how to work with the emotions that come up. It's all part of the same continued process. Did you watch my keynote video? I talk about how fight, flight, freeze come up in big and little practical moments, along with many other emotions as well. Emotions still come up for me when I'm faced with something new. With the practical side of money, keep naming it, keep acknowledging it, keep sitting with the feelings and eventually moving them to the side of you so you can move it more into observer mode and keep staying engaged in the process. It may take time and longer than you imagine, but keep staying with it and you will continue to take and tackle some baby steps. The emotions are not gonna go away. It's how we work with them. It's how quickly we catch them, name them, sit with them, work with them, and start asking new questions to the set of emotions that are coming up so that you can continue to take the smallest baby steps through it all, okay? And then this is, and then Andrea Gage Smith, she's my TA, one of my TAs, we have five. Okay, this is what she said. I said, Andrea, do you have a set of questions to ask the emotions? when you're in the middle of it. She said, for instance, I'm having a big cry. Now bring my attention to the tears running down my cheek, going from the affect channel to the sensation channel. This can help when one channel is getting too much. It takes practice and sometimes takes another person to help us with it, okay? When I hear this person that goes into freeze mode, let's see, Mm, does feel good, but the good news is freeze is time limited. This is so important. Meaning if you pay attention to it, it will change and shift. If you don't pay attention to it, it's gonna stay around for much longer. Letting your eyes go to where they want while the freeze is there can help too. Freeze happens when there's too much energy in the system. So as Barry says, we wanna take baby steps, break down something you want to do or achieve into manageable bits, do the bit, Take an orientation break, breathe, watch for the impulse to do the next bit, do the next bit, stay curious. So, you know, I think this is where it starts getting into somatic psychology and how do you, in the moment when you're having a big emotion, how do you meet it? How do you notice it? How do you name it? How do you put it to the side of you? A bit so you're in more observer mode does that mean that you need to go take a walk do you need to go to nature you need to just stay in the body checking a little bit longer but take a deeper breath these are just a few little ways to work with it is that helping at all yeah I love that I, I really love that and I love the part about staying with it yeah. Um, it helps you move through it because I feel like so often that, you know, lump in your throat or not in your stomach or however you feel it in your body that causes you to sort of freeze 
we, we just, we try to avoid that. Right. right. So we, we numb or run or <laughs> do whatever we can to not have to face that. But, and then it lasts, it does last longer. Yeah. I think it's, I don't know if this is true, but I feel like it's especially true for women. I feel like we can hold that longer. I'm just saying that. I don't even know that that's true. Yeah, I know that's true because my husband can stay with his emotions. <laughs> you know? I can be quicker sometimes. So Good. So maybe it's practice. <laughs> it's practice. I also, you know, I think this is where it comes down to personality too and the different ways that we're made up, you know, yeah. nature and nurture. So yes. Yeah. Okay, so something that comes up a lot in our little community is just this idea of really wanting to step up and fix something. So whether it be around parenting or upgrading food, um, you know, maybe choosing to get more organic food or more fresh food or really wanting to add a supplement into your regimen um, or you know, get some help, either like a personal trainer or yoga classes, whatever it is to really like up your wellness. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, I hear this question all the time that it, it, people just really wanting to step up and do it because it feels like they're, it feels like what they're supposed to do next in this path of wellness. But then the money thing comes up, right? So it's like, oh God, like, you know, why is food that expensive? Um, you know, uh, I can't afford to take that, you know, to do that for myself or my kids or whoever, you know, whatever it's affecting. And um, a lot of times the talk I'm able to talk people through is more around just like shifting the perspective. Cause I think, you know, a lot of it's just like we've been putting money into healthcare instead of into more well care. Yeah. And sort of shifting the perspective of what that looks like at the end. But what are your thoughts on that, like in the moment and sort of how to know? I mean, you've given us great tools to sort of dial in and know, but like from a really practical standpoint, okay, how does that work? Interesting. I didn't know where you were going with this. I was going to answer in a few different ways. until. Okay. Like, you can no, answer in as many ways as you want. No, but, I, <laughs> but at the end here, now I'm more clear. So here's the thing, you know, the, the very, the third phase of the art of money is the money maps. The second yep. phase is money healing. Second phase is money practices, which is all about learning the language of money, knowing what your numbers are, yep. setting up a system and, you know, starting to understand patterns and cash flow, fun, cash flow patterns with the actual numbers. Yep. So get really practical. We also get into values. So there's a whole section here about what are your values, what's important to you. And it's not as though we're always able to earn and spend and save and give and invest according to our values, but many of us are trying to work towards that. Yes. And so in this section, you know, as in any section, I, you know, I was not going to have a relationship to money unless I could bring all of the practices and tools and parts of life that were meaningful to me. And, you know, everything from creativity to playfulness to deeper meaning, you know, when I was creating a money methodology, it had to include all of that. Yeah. Uh, and so in this section, we do bring in our values. We name them. Some people like to change their categories, the names of their categories, so that it honors and represents more value. Um, everything from- Like a their physical categories in their- Yes. Bookkeeping like their expenses, in their bookkeeping system, yep. right in their bookkeeping system instead of like mortgage or rent, which are fine names, 
you know, and you can't go that much deeper there, but what if you renamed it to home or, you know, love shack <laughs> yeah. sanctuary. These are names that my communities come with, come up with over the years. It changes your relationship to a bit, you know, instead of like, Oh, you know, how much we have to pay for this. And you get to see like actually how much you're paying. Does it represent home or sanctuary or love shack or not? You know, and people rename debt categories instead of that damn debt to, Oh, this was a big life change or transition or a health crisis or, you know, I moved from the corporate world to starting my own business or I had baby number one or baby number two, you know, and it, the renaming for some people is very significant, but it also helps us bring in our values into how we earn and spend and save and give and invest. And we get to see that more clearly. Are we really doing that? Okay. Then the third phase is where we start getting into what phase of life are you, or are you in? Um, how do you come up with a plan, what people call a budget? And this is where we really get into how to make good money decisions. So for me, it's an entire year at this point. Right. Um, one step after the next, one phase after the next, before we get to the place where we've done all of these previous steps, where we can start asking real questions of how do we know we're making a good money decision in small, medium, large moments. So in the moment, um, we're usually just going by emotion, you know, good or bad, or like whatever the emotions are. Can I afford this? Do I think I can afford this? You know, do I feel I'm worth this? Uh, you know, what does self-care mean to me? All that stuff. Instead right. of taking into account both the emotions and our psychology, but also really knowing what our numbers are and, you know, knowing can any part of our numbers be negotiated, you know, can some, some, some area of our spending be decreased in order for us to increase self-care or get a trainer at the gym or, you know, have more yeah. acupuncture or so on. So it's hard for, you know, we make these decisions along the way, but certainly once we have a year or all these three phases, you know, as a foundation, then we can make these decisions where we know our numbers better We've really looked at our values. We've looked at what phase of life are we in. And we're making a decision based on, you know, what I call a money map. And there's, there's way more to factor in there. There's no perfect, you know, this is a dance. It's not this rigid, tight budget, you know. It's something to play around with. Um, that's a, that's a little bit of my answer. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the val I think the values part is so value, so valuable. <laughs> the values <laughs> part is so interesting because I think that that's probably what also gets some of us into a money pickle with just like the little bits we've picked up along the way. Right. Because our values are probably might be different from how we grew up or how society thinks they should be and all that kind of stuff. So, right. So, so we're having to come up with what those are at the same time. And, you know, and those change when we become parents or yeah. entrepreneurs, like there's so many variables in, in how that, how that works. And that's why you can do a money map every year and revisit it and do it every six months. Cause it's always changing and altering depending on what phase of life you're in. And so one example of a money map is we do it in three tiers. The first tier is basic needs. And it's what do you consider basic needs now, not 10 years ago, not in the future, you know, second tier is comfortable lifestyle, third tier is ultimate. Other people have named these needs, wants, desires, 
um, other people, you know, someone sat down and all of these are exercises to get you thinking, to help you understand what phase of life you are in, what are your priorities and values and what's the reality of your numbers at this time? Cause that's changing too, you know? And certainly when you have kids that really changes, you know, yes. um, really, really, really changes. And, and so one woman went to sit down and do this three tier exercise. And some people will not do the ultimate tier. It's just, they need to meet the first two tiers first. You know, other people won't do this exercise unless they can do the dreaming and visioning because that's so exciting for them, right? I'll give you one last example. One woman sat down to do this and she was having two very clear voices in her head. One was her mother's who was really into luxury and came, she came from a wealthy family. And so she did a tier for what her mother would how her mother would live her life, you know, so she could see what that is and get that voice out. The other voice that was really strong was her more activist community and things need to be simple and you need to live simply and spend simply. And, you know, she did it yep. with that voice and she needed to just see the differences and see what that was. And then she created her own tier, which kind of was the middle tier for her, which was what was right really truly right for her I love that because I I love that because I feel like so often we we because we're not really getting this stuff out we're just sort of thinking that we don't believe in this or that or we do believe in this or that but we haven't really understood at that level what that even means and for many of us, there is that a voice of authority or our family, their values, or the community, we're in their values, you know, that all plays a role. And everyone has different ideas about how to spend money, even a couple, I've, you know, those two people, even if they came from the same economic background, which is not always the case, even if they came from the same lineage, which is not always the case, you know, they're going to have different ways of how they earn, spend, save, give all of it. Um, and they usually polarize, you know, yes. uh, that's a whole dance in itself. Couples work, couples money work, which I love, but yes, just to complete this, it's really understanding what your values are at this time. And yes, as couples, you know, we need to sit down and first understand we need to do our own money work first, and then we can start having yeah. new money conversations with our partner. And, you know, I'll give one more live example. Um, because I like stories and they reveal a lot. And so years ago, um, my husband came to me, was our son, our son's going to be 10. So he maybe was two. And he said, maybe he was, one, he said, you know, I, I want to get a road bike and, you know, road bikes are expensive, you know, and I, I don't buy expensive gear and, and I spend things like on my weekly acupuncture, you know, good food, um, massage or, you know, facial lotions. Like I have my little things. And when he first came to me about the road bike, I was like horrified. I was like, what? You know, like we spend money so differently. And I think that that's like, is a first step. Like you feel horrified that that your, your partner spends so differently than you, you know, you would never spend money in that way, you know? And, and so he made a case, you know, and he told me, um, he was, he had Lyme's disease, which he's really in remission from. Um, and he said, he feels like the bike will help him. Um, he'll earn sexy points. Um, you know, he, he gave me this whole thing of how it was going to help with his health. Yeah. 
absolutely skeptical and hesitant. He also came up with a very clear practical plan of how much he was going to put down on the bike and pay in cash that he had and how many extra freelancing projects he would take on. And, you know, I was also skeptical, like, would he, would he make good on this promise and this plan, you know? And I said yes to it. And because I wanted to honor my husband and he did make good on all of that. And it was a key component in his health and his recovery from limes. He is an unusual case where if he rides five, six days a week hard, it actually really helps him. Interesting. Uh, yeah, he used to be an athlete. And so this is this is just something. And so um, it worked. We made it through that. And then a few years down the road, we added up all of my smaller self-care expenses and they added up to a road bike and we just were laughing hysterically like oh my god <laughs> like if yeah. we just... but back in the day it was a big decision a big conversation a big dialogue we went back and forth and back and forth of you know because he was also he's kind of he was at the time horrified by my facial lotions well know? that's what i was going to ask i was going to ask what he thinks of facial lotion and massage no, no, he doesn't do any of that kind of stuff right. ever you know yeah. I have to get him his massage as like a birthday gift or something for him to go. He doesn't do it. He gets on his bike. So yeah. we really had to hear each other out. We, we spend money in different ways. Even on the surface, we have the same values. But when we go to spend and earn and all that, they're different. And we had to really hear each other out and honor the different ways that we do things and trust. And it worked out. You know, he could have not paid off the bike or whatever it was, but it did work. He gave me a clear plan. He paid it off. It, you know, it was a success story. Yeah. Okay. So I have a question. Can we go back a little in somebody else's story then? Because to me, so I feel like that's so awesome and I want that. <laughs> like I want that conversation. And I feel like there's so many people listening who would just be like, I could never be that organized about a conversation because I could never get to that point of having a calm Okay. dialogue about that so can we take a step back to like how to step into that yes. dialogue yeah so with couples one of the things I do whether they're newly together whether they're five years ten years 30 years into their relationship I have them start at the beginning with their money dates and mm -hmm. it's like a clean slate and I'm saying yes there's water under the bridge Yes, you have patterns that are not working. Um, I know couples that have been together 20 years that have a great marriage, great communication skills. Where does all the tension and fighting and swearing still happen? Money. You know, whenever they, they can't even have money conversations. They can't mm -hmm. even have money dates. So step one is I do teach people how to have new money dates. And I have this whole four-step process where the, we go back to the beginning you may even start out with a 20 minute money date and you practice that over and over and over. And in this money date, you do not talk values. You do not talk numbers. You do not whip out Excel spreadsheets. You, know, <laughs> you start at the beginning and you just have story time. Hmm. And story time. I guarantee you will learn new things about your partner again, 20 years down the road, because there are things about your money stories, your money history, that you didn't even know or you've never shared with your partner and you didn't even realize that. So money dates at the beginning are, let's just say 20 minutes, you get 10 minutes, they get 10 minutes. You get 10 minutes to talk. They don't say a thing. They don't get to say anything. They get to listen. 
right? They may have a reaction. They may want to say something. They need to sit there doing their body check-ins. Got it. And, and the idea is that both people are going back in their money stories and, and sharing something? Sharing things. And in my book, there are lots of exercises, just like there mm -hmm. are lots of journal prompts and exercises in my year-long program. But in the Art and Money book, which is, you know, in hardcover and paperback in Kindle right now, um, you know, you can get a $14 version of it on Amazon. And there's exercise, there's questions, you know, that, you know, what's your relationship to earning money and spending money and saving money? Or what is your first money memory? Or share a little bit about your siblings, if you had them and the different roles, were you a spender? Were they a saver from age five? You know, there are so many questions that we can ask to help us begin to understand more about our money history. And yeah. they're in the book and they're on my blog as well. And everybody who's listening needs to get her book and we will put that link in the show notes as well as how to get even more from Barry. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I love that because I just feel like, well, first of all, I think you do learn you learn so much new stuff, but I just feel like with money and how, like all these things that are so important yet so undertaught, you know, parenting, food, all this stuff um, that we just, you know, we end up in this situation as parents, not really knowing what to do. And somehow these areas I feel like are some of our most black and white areas. Like we think we're right. You know what I like as a person, like we just think that's the way it is. It's not even that we're trying to prove right. It's just that because we know this, I think it's probably because we have a limited amount of knowledge, right? So it's just the right limited amount of knowledge. And it's so interesting how there's so much to listen to from the other person. Well, you know, yes. And um, so two things. Um, one is that couples just do polarize, right? That's, you know, we, we, and we think our way, as you're saying, is the right way. Um, and it's really hard to put ourselves in the other person's shoes. And yes. so that's really important in doing this couple work. So I'd love to link to one of my articles about the four phases of money with your honey. And as we were mentioning, phase one is story time, right? Yep. And learning how to do money dates in a new way. Phase step two of that is talking about values and it's having money dates and talking about your values and how they're different when you earn, spend, save. And then three, you know, step three is then you're talking about who's on what, who's doing the bookkeeping, when are you having money dates? You know, is one person doing the tracking, but you come in monthly to share the numbers and so on. And then a step four is really getting on the same team about. Yeah. Visions. Okay, so we can link to that article. Okay, that's perfect. We will put that and, for sure in the show notes. Yeah, and just know couples polarize, and usually, you know, you think you're right, or you feel, or you feel like, wow, you really don't know anything, and you feel like the stupid one, and so you're just going to relinquish any yes. sense or control to the other person because what they came from a financial background, but again, they have their missing pieces, you know. Um, or yeah, one person becomes a smarty pants, one person feels stupid, one person pays so much attention and worries all the time, the other person sticks their head in the sand. Obviously, you know, these are extremes, but it happens. And so it is interesting to find out like 10 years down the road, 20 years down the line, what is the role that you're playing in this dynamic? And you each need to eventually really see each of you as a say, each of you, you know, has positive things, challenging things around money, right? Each of you have things to work on and teach each other. 
Yes. So there's all of that as well. well. And just the concept of a money date. I like long before your book, I remember a time when like the computer opened and I was just so stressed out that like a bank account was coming up, you know, cause it wasn't yeah. on my computer. It was on my husband's computer. And I was like, ah. so just like the concept that, you know, talking about money and date go in the same phrase. Totally. I think and with that, great. there's a lot of chapters in the book about like, how do you have a money date? You know, that's even a little bit enjoyable. And so, you know, I, you know, in the book, and this may not be your thing, but for me, it was, I needed to light a candle. I needed to spray some essential oils. I needed to, you know, someone else may need to play some music, have some flowers on their desk. I um, believe you eat chocolate. Is that true? Oh, yes. Okay. So dark, dark, <laughs> I'm, I'm 85%. Like I love really good dark, dark, dark chocolate. There was always chocolate. Yeah. My money dates. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and, and sometimes a glass of wine when I'm yep. having States. Now my husband could care less about any of that, but he's grown, you know, he's, he comes to the place where we'll go to have a money date and sometimes he'll be like, okay, honey, light your candles and do your oils and do whatever yes. you know, and he's, he's very playful about it, which is, I appreciate because uh, even though he doesn't need any of that, he's been like, okay, do your thing, you know, <laughs> do your thing. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love everything that you're sharing. This is amazing. I hope everyone listening is loving this because I feel like there's so many actionable things we can do. So my last question is just going back to this time, which we tapped into a little bit, like the, this, you alluded to the fact of not getting to the numbers until, you know, a couple months in after you've done a lot of the initial work. So let's just talk a little bit about time. Cause I definitely find, I think that a lot of the big changes that we um, seek to make as really conscious human beings these days, who I know everyone listening is a conscious human being, they just take time. And as parents, it, so many things come up in a year. There's school, there's right now we're in summer when we're recording this, there's holidays, there's sick days, you know, like I just feel like there's so many variables to what a day looks like that if we don't understand how all these systems work within all those different situations. It's hard to really create a lifetime habit. And, you know, this, this area of life does require time and does take time to learn. Yes. <laughs> many learning curves and there's many little steps along the way. And, you know, even learning a bookkeeping system, mm -hmm. I it takes a good six months and then to feel really comfortable a year. And that may sound horrifying, like what, <laughs> you know, and, but it really is in baby steps and baby chunks. And again, this was not stuff we were taught, you know, at, at, in grade school and small little increments, it's things we're learning as an adult. It's going to take time. You know, I used to teach my work in a weekend workshop or six weeks or three months. I'm, kind of horrified that I used to do that. Um, but that's, you know, I did the best I could. I was just starting out and I was just creating my methodology that I was fine tuning in every small mm -hmm. group that I would teach. And now it's a year long journey. It's a year long program. And about 20 to 25% of people choose to come back, even though they get access to their year forever. You know, some people want to come back um, to be a part of the community or to have access to me or the TAs or just have the ongoing support because this is a lifelong journey, you know? Yes. And, yeah. And the last thing I will say is that, you know, as you're starting any practice, you might need to do it more often at the beginning or for a month. 
And, uh, you know, this is where you need to choose. This is where I give you the whole framework and then you get to craft it based on what works for you, your style, your personality. Do you have one kid like me or do you have three kids like you, Mia? You know, yep. or, um, I always said if I, if I had more than one kid, you know, I don't know how I would do anything, you know. Um, and so this is where for, you know, it could be five minutes a day or 15 minutes every few days. When I started out, even without a kid, you know, I was doing it every few days or every day for like 15 minutes just to, you know, create the grooves, create the relationship, create the practice, you know, to, and we did this all the time. Me and my husband have been together, been together for 17 years and we've yeah. been doing these practices. So at the beginning, and we still every once in a while have a good fight, you know, or I can be feisty. Like, you know, they're just, but for the most part, you know, there's, there's been so much growth, you know, but it does take time and you may need some support use support for, you know, a financial support team and you don't add everyone on your team at once or in the same year. There's a whole chapter on what even is a financial support team and what are the different roles and what's the difference between a bookkeeper and an accountant and a financial coach and a financial therapist and a financial planner. And we, I, sh I describe all of that, the different roles. And then I give a set of questions to ask each person when you're interviewing them. And at some point we do need one or two or some of those people added onto our team to help us, to help um, do part of it or to teach us things or, and so yeah. Yeah. yeah, I had to actually, my story is I had to actually backtrack because I, I used that as continued numbing <laughs> that if I hired somebody, I wouldn't have to know. So eventually, you know, so actually, common, around you know, the time I read your book, I was like, all right, this person's got to go. Okay. And that's really common. We just, you know, I did bookkeeping for a few years as this interim between training as a therapist and starting financial therapy. And mm -hmm. wow, did I learn so much about folks by doing their bookkeeping and they just- oh my God. Their bookkeeping at me. They didn't even know I had a master's in psychology. They could care less. They were like, I don't want to have anything to do with this. Just take this, do this. And I, you know, I did my bookkeeping for over a decade um, before I then handed on to a bookkeeper. And I've heard so many stories where we just throw it at a bookkeeper and we still don't know anything. We don't know the language of money or how to navigate a bookkeeping system or even what an asset or, a, you know, liability or what the different categories are. And so I love that you read the book and realized I need to take this back. And maybe you do it on your own for six months or a year and then you yeah. pass it back again. But learning bookkeeping, I used to be, I used to want everyone to learn it first, you know? Yes. Yeah. And I can't say everyone has to because, you know, but it. Or at least pay attention to the charts they give you at the end, which I wasn't even doing at the beginning. I was like, yeah. thanks. It looks pretty. <laughs> looks nice. Great. You know. Yeah, there's so much to be learned. And it's for me, it was incredibly empowering to learn bookkeeping and do it on my own. As a creative person, I never thought I could do that kind of stuff, or I thought it was just so boring. You know? Well, and I think that's what's so important is how much there is to learn and how fun it can be. Just, you know, in so many different areas of our life. Um, you know, because I think we forget that. And we, we're, we're inundated with these, you know, I don't know what the equivalent is in money, but in food, it's like, you know, five minutes to dinner, 30 seconds to whatever it is, you know, you know, to a, a good abs. And it's like, no, it's, yeah. it takes more 
time. It always has. And why would you want it to take 30 seconds? Right, right, right. Well, so I do have a warning or it's in the book somewhere like beware. You may find yourself really enjoying <laughs> your Quicken or your QuickBooks and you may surprise the hell out of yourself. And, you know, and I love when, you know, people in the community say, oh my God, Barry, I'm I'm not only does it like calm me down so much, but I'm really having fun with this values-based renaming thing or just seeing the clarity of the numbers or knowing what they are. I'm really having fun. (laughs) And that's not everyone, but for many people, they can get to that place. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you so much for your time and everyone listening. You will hear about my journey. I'm sure more because I love all of Barry's work and I will continue to grow and evolve and share as that happens. Um, and maybe someday like QuickBooks. That sounds funny to say, but yes, maybe that will happen. <laughs> maybe one day. I love that. <laughs> so thank you so much. This has been amazing. Thank you, Mia, for having me. It was a great interview. Thank you. At the end of every episode, we go over three doable changes. So you can take what you've heard and put it into action, which is where our lives begin to change. So I do this on purpose. I give you three doable changes, hoping that one might resonate more because my recommendation is always to choose one thing, just one thing to work on every week, to commit to it, to schedule it in, to put different activities in and really have fun with it so that you can make that doable change into a habit or practice or whatever the thing is that you're tackling happens to be. All right. So here are the three that we've picked out of this episode. Do a body check-in. Check in on a few levels. On a physical level, what are you noticing? On a sensation level, what are you noticing? On an emotional level, what emotions are present? On a breathing level, how deep, how shallow, where in your body? This only takes a minute. Try it anytime you are interacting with money for a whole week, okay? So do these body check-ins for a whole week whenever you're interacting with money. That should be a couple times a day at least, right? So it might be when you have a money conversation with your spouse or when you're looking at your balances or paying your bills or when you're about to purchase something. This is a super powerful practice. I can say that because I have tried this as one of my doable experiments and I forget to do it all the time, but when I do it, oh my gosh, it is life-changing. Number two, plan a money date. Start with 20 minutes with your partner. You each get 10 minutes to talk and 10 minutes to listen deeply. That means no interrupting, ladies. Share your money stories. To do this, answer questions like, what's your mother's relationship with money? How is it the same or different than yours? What is your father's relationship with money? How is yours the same or different? How did your ethnicity, your religion, your spirituality impact your relationship with money? How does it today? What was your money role in the family, especially if you had siblings? Were you the spender, the saver? Were you some combo? I know that my brother got $100 when we were really young and he would count it and count it and count it to the point where he wanted to change it into as little increments as possible. And he had a hundred dollars in pennies that he would count on a regular basis. Meanwhile, this girl who got, you know, the $2 or whatever we got a week, I definitely went and spent it. And that story stuck with me, you guys. And it's taken a lot of the past few years to really undo that story. In fact, I'm still undoing that story. 
So these conversations are great and they're really powerful with a partner. So doable change number one is do body check-ins regularly for a week. Doable change number two is plan a money date. So spend a week where you have a plan and you commit to doing that money date. Number three, identify your values. This is an important one. Barry talks a lot about identifying your values and mapping your money around that. Start by noticing what's important to you and the spending that you do related to that, the things that are important. Ask your partner to share their values and how they want to spend their money in relation to their values. You will likely be different, but understanding the other person's values can start to smooth out tension around spending and making a family set of values is really useful because then you can pass this on to your kids. All right. So those are three doable changes. You can slice and dice them the way you want. If you want even more inspiration for what you might choose for your change this week, go to plansimplemeals.com slash 101 and download 101 doable changes to choose from. Before you get overwhelmed, I highly recommend just choosing one of these amazing changes from Barry and going with that. And of course, reach back out on Facebook, on Instagram, or in my inbox, and tell me what you're doing this week, because I would love to know what doable changes are impacting you and how they're changing your life. All right, you guys, I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Plan Simple podcast. If you loved what you heard, the biggest compliment you can give is to share the podcast with a friend. And if you really loved what you heard, if you want to go onto iTunes and subscribe, rate, and review, that really helps us get the best guests we can and improve the podcast so that we're serving up exactly what you want to hear. I will see you on the next episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. Bye for now.